the book of Acts, chapter number 16, and I want to break in the text tonight in verse number 29. This is one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. Uh, this is where Paul and Silas were locked up in jail. And at midnight, they began to pray and sing and shout. And God shook the jail. You're talking about jailhouse rock. It really happened right here. And God shook that jail. And the miracle is not that God shook the jail. The miracle is none of the prisoners escaped. And that jailer realizing that the doors were open and the bands were off, he feared for his life that all those prisoners had escaped when the jailhouse shook that night. But there was more than fear of those jailers in that man's heart that night. The fear of God had gripped that man. That was an earth-shaking event that had taken place in his life. And the fear of God came upon that man. And notice what he says in verse number 29 of Acts chapter 16. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's one of the greatest questions that's ever been answered by mankind. What must I do to be saved? Verse number 31, I believe, is the greatest answer to a question that has ever been given. Verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And here's my text tonight. Say it with me. And thy house. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Say it with me now. And thy house house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all, sit with me, that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into, sit with me, into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God, say it with me tonight, with all his house. Four times you find the little word house. God is not just going to save this, who we call the Philippian jailer, but God wants to save his house. God wants to move in His house. God wants to bring the miracle of salvation to His house. And I'm glad tonight that God cares for our house. God cares for our family. I'm glad many, many, many years ago a preacher named Mordecai Helm 
came to Danville, Virginia and rented a big warehouse and had a protracted revival. And on a Friday night, a Henry and Mamie Arthur in their early 20s walked the aisle and gave their hearts to Christ and got saved. They had a son by the name of James B. Arthur and, and uh, he got saved and trusted Christ as his Savior. And then one day, James had a son named Joseph, or Joe Arthur. And he heard the gospel and trusted Christ and, and got saved. And several years ago, I had a son named Junior, Bubba. And he heard the gospel. And he got saved and trusted Christ as his Savior. I believe the greatest institution on planet Earth outside of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ itself, which is the pillar and ground of truth, is a Christian family. A family that's trusted Christ as their Lord and their Master and our Savior. I really believe tonight America would be a safer place to live. I believe tonight America would be a more wholesome place to live. If more families would open their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. I'm glad the Bible said, for God so loved the world. I'm glad the Bible teaches us that he loved the church and gave himself for it. I love the words of the apostle when he said that he loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm glad he loved the world. I'm glad he loves the church. I'm glad he loves the individual but I believe tonight God loves the family. I believe it pleases the Lord when a family opens their heart and opens their life to Jesus Christ. And in our text tonight, as I said, Paul and Silas were in the little sleepy city of Philippi and God sent a great revival. God was saving people. God was changing lives. God was moving in an awesome way. And you know, any time the Lord begins to bless and we get glad, Satan always gets mad. And he thought he could stop the revival. He thought he could stop the moving of God. He thought he could squash that great move of God that was happening in this city. And so he takes the preacher and his assistant, Paul and Silas, and they beat their bodies with stripes. They persecute them. They scoff them. And they don't just throw them in the prison. The Bible said threw them in the inner prison. That means down in the dungeon where the bad people have to go. But ladies and gentlemen, the devil never has been able to beat up God. He's never been able to stop God. May I quote you a verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can I quote you another one? If God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God of heaven. And so when the clock struck midnight, remember I told you last evening what midnight was. It is the end of an old day and the beginning of a new day. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. They shook heaven with their prayers and heaven shook the prison with a mighty manifestation. And the Bible said the doors opened, but the prisoners did not escape. And God was doing a work in the heart of this Philippian jailer. And he bows before those two jailbirds and says, Sirs, I want to get in on this. I want to know this powerful God that you've been preaching about, you've been singing about, this wonderful Savior that you've been testifying about. I want to get in on that. And they ask the supreme question, What must I do? to be saved. And I love the answer Paul gave. It's the answer that every mother and father and son and daughter need. It's the answer that every family in America needs tonight. Here is the answer to the question. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He didn't say you might be saved, you can be saved, you ought to be saved. He said you shall be saved. But he gave him an added blessing. He said, brother, we're going to do more than preach the gospel to you. We're going to do more than offer the gospel to you. We're going to do more than give you the opportunity to know Christ and trust Christ. This is coming to your house. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. Sir, you're going to get in on it. And your wife's going to get in on it. And your children are going to get in on it. And everybody in your house is going to hear the gospel and have the opportunity to trust and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And reading the rest of the story, it happened just like they said. This Philippian jailer got saved, born again, transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. But evidently his whole house was saved because they were all saved and baptized and rejoiced and believing in God. And from that day forward, that Philippian jailer had the greatest treasure that anybody could ever have. He had a Christian home. He had a saved home. His house received the glory of the wonderful salvation of Jesus Christ. I'm glad God saved my grandfather. I'm glad God saved my father. I'm glad God saved me. And I'm glad God saved my son. Now there are no more man children in our family. It all died with my son because he didn't have any boys. He had a bunch of stinking girls. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the day when them three little girls of his will hear their granddaddy preach. And the Lord Jesus Christ will speak to their heart. And ladies and gentlemen, the day those three Walk the aisle and trust Christ as Savior. And the day that I get to baptize them three, I'm going to kick the back end of my choir robe out. Amen? 
Because I'm telling you, I'm glad Christ died for every man. I'm glad he tasted death for every man. I'm glad tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there is no husband, there is no wife, there is no mother, there is no father, there is no son, there is no daughter that is beyond the long arm reach of the power of salvation and the grace of God. I thank God for my Christian home. I love the answer to this question. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I don't know about you tonight, but I just like that word, saved. In fact, I like that word so good, won't you say it with me? Saved. I just love that word, saved. You say, well, Brother Joe, saved from what? I'm glad you asked. Saved from sin. Saved from iniquity. Saved from a wasted life. Saved from a Christless eternity. Saved from a great white throne judgment. Saved from the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Saved from sin and self and Satan and hell. To know Jesus Christ. And to know forgiveness. And to know redemption. And to know peace, real peace, and joy, real joy, and fellowship, and a relationship with God, and the assurance of heaven, knowing that when this life is over, there is a better country, and there is a better place, and no person goes to heaven because they are a member of a church. No person goes to heaven because they have thought of the Lord in baptism, whether complete immersion or a sprinkling. Nobody is ever going to heaven because they touch the sacraments of the Lord's Supper table. But the only way someone can go to heaven when they die is they must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him, and trust Him. And I'm glad to report to you tonight that the God of the Bible is in the saving business. He's in the forgiving business. He's in the redeeming business. He's in the missing hell and going to heaven business. He's in the daddy saving business, and the mama saving business, and the son saving business, and the daughter saving business. He's in the business of saving men and women and boys and girls through the power of the cross and the message of the gospel. My mind's going back to the Christian home that God let me live in. I was born into a preacher's family. My daddy preached and my mama prayed. In fact, my mama not only prayed, but she shouted every once in a while. And if you got her just right... She'd take a spell and preach a little bit. But I thank God for my mom and my dad. And I was thinking today of some things that I will tell when I preach my mom's funeral here in a couple of days. And, and one particular story comes to my mind tonight. Dad was gone to preach a revival. And we lived in this little single white trailer right beside the little cinder block church that daddy started. 
And uh, I think Monday afternoon, there was a knock at the door. And there stood a guy named Roy Sharon. Roy Sharon was a man that had given his life to drink and, and to the world and sin and had dominion in his life. But his sister went to dad's church and dad had been praying and witnessing to Roy. He knocked on the door and I opened it up. He said, hey, where's the preacher? Where's the, your daddy? I said, Roy, he's gone off in a revival. He won't be back to Friday. Man, he was crying. He said, oh man, I'm in a fix. I'm lost and undone. I'm going to hell. And I wasn't but 12. I said, Roy, I'm as sorry as I can be. But he ain't going to be back to Friday. He said, but I need to talk to him now. I said, now Roy, I can't help you. He won't be back to Friday. My mama come running out of that little kitchen. She heard that conversation. She said, oh no, Roy. We ain't got to wait till JB gets here. Get in this house, boy. I, I can help you. He comes in that house and mama says, get out there, boy, beside that couch. Well, he knew not to disobey that woman. Get out there, boy, beside of that couch. And she takes that 179 X Schofield red letter edition, lays it on that couch, and takes Roy down the Romans road. Son, she reminds him of Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. By the time she got through with that verse, he really was lost. He really was messed up. In fact, he looked at him and said, Dear God, I'm in worse shape than I thought I was. Man, she reminded him that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. She said, Roy, and I'm going to tell you something. There's a price to pay, son, because of your sin. And she took him to chapter 6 where he said, For the wages of sin is death. She said, Roy, there's not only a, a physical death, but there is a spiritual death. She said, right now, Roy, you're already dead spiritually. And one day you're going to die physically. And if you don't trust Christ and believe the gospel... Heaven is not your home, but hell will be your eternal home. Man, he began to weep. He began to cry. And he said, when we're going to get to the good part? She said, I want to make sure you understand the bad part. You are a sinner, and there's a price to pay for being a sinner. Roy, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and there's a price to pay for rejecting Jesus Christ. And then my mama began to weep with him and a big smile came upon her face. She said, but Roy, and when you're in the South, you call everybody honey, whether you like them or not. Roy, honey, here's the good part. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my little mama took him to Calvary where the Son of God died for the sons of men that the sons of men might become the sons of God. She took him to Calvary where the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world. Man, she described Calvary to Roy down by the couch in the little parsonage, in the little single white trailer. She described it so well I could hear the ringing of the hammer 
I could feel the dripping of the blood. I could hear the pathos of the voice of the Son of God as he cried, it is finished. She said, but oh Roy, it's even better than that. Early one Easter Sunday morning, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. And little Roy, he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah, Christ arose. She said, I want to remind you, Roy, he's not a dead savior. He's not a martyr of religious movement. He's not in the cemetery. He's not still on the cross. Roy, the tomb is empty. He's a living Savior. He's alive and he's well and he's on the throne and he's present in this hour. Roy, he's not dead. He's not dead. He's the living Savior. And she took that man to, and I'm just sitting back watching it all. And she took him to Romans chapter number 10 and said, Roy, here's what you got to do. It's so simple. I remember her saying this. She said, Roy, it is so simple. The average person will stumble over it and stumble into a devil's hell. She said, but Roy, it is so simple. Here's what you got to do. Believe. Believe. She said, Roy, the scripture says, thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. She said, Roy, you know what that word confess means, don't you? He said, yes, ma'am, I've been locked up a time or two. She said, you know what that word confess means, don't you? She said, Roy, that means you admit it. I did it. I'm guilty. And she said, if you'll tell God right now, God, I admit it. I agree with you. I side with you against myself. I am a sinner by birth and by nature and by choice. And yes, I deserve the punishment of sin because I am a sinner. But I also confess this. I agree with what you said. I cannot save myself. But Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus lived and Jesus shed his blood and he offers salvation to every man. Roy, will you confess that and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. And she said, Roy, let me tell you one more thing. Don't you let the devil talk you out of it. Don't you let the devil put any excuses or barriers in your way. Buddy, by the time she got to Romans 10, 13, she was in high gear. For whosoever, for whosoever, I just like saying that. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. She said, Roy, that means me. Roy, that means JB, my dad. That means Jojo. Now, nobody else can call me that. And she said, and it means you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, call on him, Roy. Call on him, boy. Call on him, son. He'll hear your prayer. He'll save you. Man, I heard that mountain of a man say, oh, God, this is Roy. Well, the Lord knew who it was. I just, I think he wanted to make sure the Lord knew who it was. Oh, God. This is Roy, and I'm lost, and I'm going to hell, and I want to be saved. 
and I believe you died for me. I believe you arose for me. And I'm asking you right now, come into my heart and save my soul right now in the mighty name of Jesus. You say, what happened to Roy? Heaven came down and glory filled his home. He stepped from the bottom to the top. His name was written in the Lamb's book of life. He went to get up and she said, get back down there, Roy. I'm not finished. Son, she flipped her Bible to 1 John chapter number five. She said, now Roy, when you leave this house, that old low down devil, that old low down devil, he's gonna start talking to you. He's gonna start tormenting you. He's gonna start putting questions and doubts in your mind. And she said, Roy, when he does, smack him upside of the head with this. These things I have written unto you that believe, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you might believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. She said, Roy, God said it, and that settles it. You put your faith in that. You anchor your eternal destiny in that. And Roy, I promise you, you can be saved and have the assurance of salvation and know you're going to heaven when you leave this world. Then she said, let me pray. Boy, she prayed over that young man. You say, well, what's the rest of the story? He got a good dose of it came back Sunday morning, told the church, we don't need the preacher, we got Miss Arthur. Daddy said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And son, he followed the Lord in baptism, became a deacon in that church, never missed church till the day God called him home. I'm so glad that my mother knew the Lord. I'm glad my father knew the Lord. I'm glad the Bible and Jesus Christ was in our home and in our family. Yes, I'm glad God saved my grandparents. I'm glad God saved my parents. I'm glad God saved me. I'm glad God saved my son. I'm looking for the day he saves my grandchildren. I'm telling you tonight, the greatest thing on planet earth is a mom and a dad and a son and a daughter that has trusted Christ as their Savior and God has given them a Christian home. For thou shalt be saved and thine house. I'm glad to tell you tonight if you realize you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. And if you'll look to Jesus Christ and believe Jesus Christ and trust Jesus Christ and call on Jesus Christ by the authority of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he will save you and save you tonight. And you can know you're going to heaven when you leave this world. And you can have a Christian family that's saved, that honors God and serves God together. I preached to the young people this morning. And again, let me say, I've never preached to a more attentive group of young people. Very respectful. And at the end of the message this morning, I talked about the bumper stickers that I see on cars today. If you want to see the mentality of America, read bumper stickers. Some people plaster their ignorance across the bumper of their car. I seen one the other day on a Mercedes that said, shake hands with a poor boy. I said, I don't believe a word of that. But the other day a man passed me. This was his bumper sticker. He who has the most toys 
when you die, wins. That man's philosophy was that when you die, whoever has the most money and possessions and treasures of the world, they win. Oh no. Because you can't take your treasures and your possessions with you. I was talking to my wife the other day about all the shoes she has. I could open up a pawn shop and sell nothing but shoes. And I promise you there is a matching pocketbook to all of the shoes. And I said to my sweet damsel, I said, darling, you can't wear but one pair at a time and only carry one pocketbook. She said, yeah, and you can't shoot but one gun. I said, that's not the same thing. That is not, that is not the same thing. No. Man, can't you have to have a deer rifle and a squirrel rifle and a bear rifle and a mother-in-law. You got to have something. You got to have a rod for the brim and a rod for the trout and a rod for the bass. You have to have a driver. You have to have a five iron. You have to have a putter if you're low down enough to play golf. Can I get an amen right there? I said, baby, you realize all of these possessions, we're going to leave it all behind. We're going to leave behind the house, the land, the guns, the rods and reels, the cars, the trucks. And I've got one car I am looking forward to leaving to the Antichrist. I hope it runs better for him than it has for me. And one day we're going to leave it all behind, our land, our stocks and our bonds and our toys and our treasures and our possessions and the only thing we can really take to heaven with us is our family and our friends that we won to Christ and they trusted Christ and they're saved. The house can't go and the car can't go and the money can't go but our family can go. And I want to thank God tonight for my Christian home and I trust tonight that you and your family have received Christ. A lot of times, pastor, in closing, when I tell about my mama and I tell about my dad, nearly every night of my life I get asked this question, Brother Joe, now listen, I'm glad for that, I'm glad for that, but I didn't come from a Christian family. I I didn't come from a Christian home. I, I don't have that Christian heritage. And my answer is, start one. Start one. You say, I didn't have a saved mom. I didn't have a saved dad. Give your children one. But I didn't come from a family that honored God and has a spiritual Christian heritage. Start one tonight. Start yours tonight. Because the greatest treasure outside of your own salvation is your family and your house. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad God is in the household saving business. And he can save you. And he can save your house. Today I was thinking about a little song that I'll sing in a couple of days at my little mama's funeral. We sang it in the mountains of Virginia where I was raised with the guitars and the mandolin and the banjo and the fiddle. Not violin, fiddle. You say, what's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? Saturday night and Sunday morning. 
but it's called the family circle. Memories of my childhood days, I recall them now and then, when at home with all the family there. But the circle has been broken. It's not the same anymore. But one day we'll meet again on heaven's shore. Will daddy be there waiting when I cross the swelling tide? Will mama, will mama be there standing by his side? I pray the family circle will be together one more time in the land where the soul never dies. I wonder if the family circle will be together once again over there on heaven's shining shore. There no more to separate. We'll sing around the throne. I wonder if the family circle will be together when we all get home. I trust you know the Lord tonight. I trust you know Him as your Savior. If you don't, you can know Him tonight. God can save your family. God can save your children. And God can save your children's children. And again, I just want to say, I want to thank God for my Christian home. You can have one too. We're standing all over the building. The pastor, the musicians will come. God, our Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the promises of the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for dying in our place. Thank you, Lord, for arising again. Lord, thank you for saving my dad. Thank you for saving my mama. And Lord, I'm glad they told me about Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my boy. And I pray, Lord, you'll get all of my grandbabies and save them too. Save that soul that's nearest hell and eternity in this room tonight and assure them that he can not only, you can not only save them, but their house as well. We ask for your blessing in Jesus' name.